Welcome to All Out Living, the podcast dedicated to providing you tools, information, advice, motivation, and much, much more in the areas of fitness, health, wellness, and style, helping you live an all-out life. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Orange Theory Fitness, Brownsville, home of the best one-hour workout in fitness. Orange Theory, one-hour, full-body workout, heart rate-based interval training, if you're looking for accelerated results, go see our friends at Orange Theory. Keep burning. Welcome back to All Out Living. Thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast. The theme of today's episode is success. I profile guests who is a personal role model of mine, advisor and friend. I'm trying to give our listeners some insight on how highly successful people achieve their success. I want to start by thanking our sponsor, Orange Theory Fitness Brownsville, for their support of the show. Orange Theory Fitness is not only delivering a great product, but they are building a outstanding community to keep members motivated and engaged. People are getting incredible results, losing weight, improving their performance, generally getting in incredible shape. Our goal at All Out is to share some perspective about fitness, health, wellness, success, and much more. Fitness and health is a lifelong journey. We want to provide you with the resources and motivation you need to live an all-out life. So here we go. Welcome to the show, Manny Vela, a South Texas legend. Manny, thank you so much for making time to, to spend with us here at All Out Living. Thank you very much. It's uh, an honor and a privilege to be spending some time with you this afternoon, Eddie. Awesome. So Manny is the president and CEO of Valley Baptist Healthcare System for South Texas. Uh, we're sitting here in his office in this lovely facility, great facility that one of my children was born in uh, and uh, very fond of, of this facility and that has provided great outstanding care for South Texans for, for many years. So Manny, thank you for letting us uh, in your office and, and tell us a little bit about how things are at Valley Baptist. Yeah, things are going well at Valley Baptist. I, I'd say this with a great sense of pride uh, and a sense of humility as well. I, I will tell our listeners that we have the greatest healthcare team assembled, not just in the Valley, not just in Texas, but around from across the, the country. Uh, we have dedicated, committed physicians on staff and, and our, our staff that man our hospitals are second to none. Uh, we've been serving actually Brownsville for about 94 years now, wow. Eddie. Uh, Harlingen for about 93 years and so over that big party frame, coming up at the 100th anniversary, we, right? You were planning it I now. hope we're both still around. <laughs> yeah, that, I do too hope we're both still around. But all, all that time, really put it in a nutshell, is this is our goal. We're going to offer the highest quality of care. We're going to do it in the safest environment possible. And I think what's always set both facilities apart and aside is the fact that we're going to do it with as much passion and compassion as we can muster every day we come to work. I get to welcome our new employees on Monday morning. And I, I let them know we have an opportunity working in this industry at our respective facilities that very few other people do. We have the ability to change people's lives in a very positive way. But with that comes an obligation as well to make sure we're coming to work with our A-game every chance we get. Because if people are going to trust us, we, we have got to give back in regards to be being prepared uh, to handle any and all crisis. And I'll also say this. Uh, I mentioned passion and compassion because the reality is there are times when we can't humanly do anything else. That's the evolution of life. And I remind our folks that, quite honestly, that's when our patient and our community needs us the most. That's when their families need us the most. In that, that time of crises, 
when somebody's going to pass away. We need to show as much compassion to the patient and their family as we can muster uh, because that's such a terribly difficult time for all of us. Uh, most of us have been through that with, uh, with family members who, who are no longer with us. And I can tell you any little kind gesture on the part of somebody working in healthcare or in this environment goes a long way. Well, as you can hear, uh, listeners, this is why we invited Manny Vela to the show. Manny has an incredible heart, is a lawyer, a reform lawyer, still uses <laughs> his legal skills, healthcare executive, community leader, father, advocate, and we'll get into all those things. Uh, we invited him to the show for many reasons. One, obviously, for everything you hear about his intentional approach to his role as CEO of one of the most important healthcare institutions in South Texas. Uh, he has a front row seat to the state of health affairs in our region and is a prime example of how intentional approach to life can lead to incredible results. He's been a role model of mine and someone I've looked up to for you know, going on 15, 20 years now. Uh, and under his leadership, Valley Baptist uh, has flourished and continues to improve the quality of life in South Texas. So Manny, thank you for your commitment um, to so many. I, I wish I could say I was the only one that looked up to Manny and sought his counsel, uh, but there, there are many people like me uh, because Manny is an outstanding individual. But let's start from the beginning. Manny, tell me where you were born. Yeah, first off, thanks for the kind words. Yeah, Absolutely. I got to tell you. Love you, brother. And I love you, too. <laughs> and I want, I want to make sure the audience understands that, how much love and respect I have for you, uh, not only for the human being that you are, but the incredible statesman that you are as well. And so I want to get that on the table right off the bat here. Uh, you've done some amazing things. And, and quite honestly, I don't think we've, you've even scratched the surface. And you've already done amazing things. So we're all holding our breath to see the heights that you will reach. And so thank you for your service. I was born here at the hospital here in Harlingen. Really? Yes. Oh, great. Uh, and, and I don't say this with a I, – I, my, my colleagues here remind me that I was born in the original structure here at the location off of Ed Carey Drive. Uh, since then, we've had four or five different additions over the subsequent decades. Uh, but I was born in 1963. Uh, and, and I love telling people that I, I currently get to serve in this role, having been born in this institution, and it creates an enormous tie to the community. And not that you have to have been born at our hospital or a hospital uh, if, where you're going to serve, uh, but it does have that extra little connection. Uh, I laugh all the time with folks who are on my official board that the reality for me is when I go shopping at HEB or I go to the movies, I'm reporting out to my board because the board's actually our community. That's how tight-knit we are down here. And so that extra little connection adds a little onus Absolutely. in a good way, right? It's a good motivator uh, to make sure we, we're doing everything we possibly can to support my great folks. So, Manny, I, I want to get into what your childhood was like, what your parents' approach was, and I want to hit home why I have you on the show. I have you on the show because of the many times that I've witnessed your approach to leadership, your approach to your business, uh, your family. You live very intentionally. There was one story I had, I remember that, you know, just little things like uh, you, when you first took over the position as CEO, you didn't park in the executive parking lot and you parked in the, 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 the run of the mill, everyday employee parking lot and you walked in and you would, we went and had uh, breakfast in the cafeteria here at the hospital and you went and said hello to everybody knew everybody's name uh, it wasn't as if you were a stuffy executive who went straight into the executive suite shut the door and never mingled with the people that were grinding it out uh, and so I now as a dad 
and many of our listeners as parents, you know, our biggest challenge with young kids is how we raise kids to grow up to be Manny Velas, right? Outstanding professionals, successful, humble, hardworking. So I want to get a little bit into what your childhood was like. Um, you have incredible parents. Um, your father, God rest his soul, but I want to hear about the Bellas and, yeah. and, and your uncle and, and, all, and all, all, all of the above. So tell us a little bit about your childhood. You know, were your parents strict? What it was like growing up as a Bella in, in Cameron County? Yeah, you, you know, I, I have nothing but very, very fond memories of growing up down here. Very close-knit family, not only my immediate family, but extended out to my cousins, uh, my cousin Ralph, my cousin Phil. Uh, we grew up more like brothers than cousins, and that's just the nature of, of relationships, uh, familiar relationships in the Valley. But m my father was one of nine children, uh, born in 1930, so right in the heart of the Depression. Uh, my mom was raised in Port Isabel, both raised in very humble settings. And quite honestly, I think that had a huge, huge uh, impact on the way they raised us. Uh, we were literally raised with the notion that you're going to treat everybody else the way you would like to be treated. It's the golden rule, you know, and, and if you can follow that, um, then, then you're, you're pretty well set in regards to respecting people. Uh, I, I, I chuckle but I, when I tell this, but I, I tell it with pride. I was the most courteous of my sixth grade class. <laughs> and, and I promise you, yeah. that's, I don't brag about a lot of things. I brag about that. You still have the certificate? Uh, unfortunately, man. maybe my mom has it We're going to find that. we got to find that. <laughs> but it, it, to me, it's just sort of an indicator that uh, I was raised the right way. I also tell people often, when I messed up in life and I've had my fair share, it's not on my parents. It's on my shoulders, right? That, that was my responsibility. Uh, I love I, that, Manny. Yeah. You know, I preach extreme ownership. And what I mean by extreme ownership is you... You can take responsibility yep. for every circumstance in your life, every situation, every loss, every win. Yeah. And if you do that, it's really freeing because you're in control That's right. when you take extreme ownership. And when yeah. you put it on someone else saying, well, I'm not successful because of my childhood or yeah. because of I wasn't given this opportunity, it's it's one of the most important principles that I live by. So it's great to hear that. Yeah, well, and our CEO for all of Tenet, uh, Executive Chairman, Ron Rittenmeyer here, was here last week, and he, one of his three takeaways for me was, don't ever be a, a don't don't ever be um, a victim, right? Uh, you, you take ownership, you hold, be held accountable, you hold others accountable, uh, but don't follow into the woe be me kind of mentality that this isn't my fault or I can't do anything about this. The reality is, most times we can do something uh, to change our circumstances. Uh, now, that that doesn't apply to everybody, right? Right. I mean, there are people who don't have the means or the ability or the capacity, either financially, uh, physically, mentally. So I'm, I'm, I'm carving those folks out. Right. You know, I have a son with special needs. We're going to get to that. Absolutely. But, but I'm telling you, even then, I don't draw, I don't, we never put up walls for Manny Mac, right? Yeah. We'll get back in a second. Yeah. <clears throat> but the reality is, if you're going to be in a position uh, to take charge of something, then you should own it, to your point, right? right? You should right. own it, it's, it's yours, let's go. Be conscientious, be determined, be committed, uh, and, and nine times out of 10, it works out just fine. Uh, and you know, going back to, the, and I appreciate your yeah. kind words. Uh, thus far, you've been incredibly kind in, in, in the accolades, and if I'm a third as successful as maybe you think I am, <laughs> I'll count my blessings. <laughs> but, but the reality is, uh, when I did come into this role, uh, it, it, to me, it was a no-brainer to go to 
the heart and soul of this organization, which is my, every single one of my 2,800 employees and get to know them because those are the folks that make the difference. They're the ones that are working hard. They're not the ones that get to hear thank yous a lot, mm -hmm. all the time. And so one of my passions is to go on the floors as often as I can and thank them for everything they're doing, not for me, not for Tenet, not for Valley Baptist, but for our communities, really, because that's where the benefit derives, right? It's, and I tell people all the time, don't forget, God forbid, tomorrow could be one of us or worse, even worse, one of our family members. That's right. right? And then so, we're laying in the bed depending on those health care That's right. That's exactly right. Going back a little, um, so talk to me about your pops, about yeah. your mom, and, and yeah. your, your, your childhood, your my, brother, yeah. where he is now. My, let's start with my parents. Yeah. Uh, my dad practiced law down here for 50 years before he retired. Uh, my mom was an educator off and on for well over 35 years. Uh, my mom was the disciplinarian in the family. Really? Yeah, she, she will, uh, to this day, if you ask her, she'll show you her bicep. And she's 85 <laughs> years old and has, a, has like an orange for a bicep. You might need point. to get her to train at she, Orange Theory, man. She might have already <laughs> gone over there and, and worked out with you guys. Uh, so, and my dad, on the other hand, was a teacher not by sitting down and saying, son, this is the way you do this, but rather leading by example, right? And it's interesting, when I, when I got licensed to practice law, by the way, I only saw my dad cry three times in his whole life. One is when his father passed away. His mom had passed away when he was only 16. Second was probably tears of relief. That's when I passed the bar. <laughs> I swear to God, that's yeah. probably tears of relief. And then the third time is when the middle school was named after him here oh, in Harlingen, nice. just because of the sense of pride, his humble beginnings and, and to that kind of recognition. Uh, and so when I started practicing law, the interesting thing is I, I didn't know how my dad was going to teach me. Well, as I said, I learned from him by watching how he treated everybody around him. But it, interestingly enough, when he was practicing and you lawyers would come into Cameron County, he would take them under his wing. And he, he trained multiple lawyers that way. So by the time I got there, he was probably tired of teaching them. The guys he had helped came to me. Multiple guys, attorneys came to me, men and women, and said, listen, I need to return the favor for your dad. Here's, here's how you do this, that, or the other thing, right? And you know what? It was to me, it's like, okay, it's a ripple. You're right? a benefactor. Dad helped there. I'm a benefactor of his of goodwill. Your dad's goodwill. That's exactly right. I know how you feel there, yeah. but. And, and then my mom, feel. just so you know, just yeah. another note on my mom, she started teaching when she was 18 in Fort Isabel. We have, she still has students who are now in their 60s who will come up there and say, You were my first teacher. Wow. <laughs> and she used music as, uh, as a tool to help educate. She was a de facto choir music teacher, even though that you know back when back in those days they didn't necessarily have a choir music teacher in the elementary school levels. That was my mom, and just always attracted so many different kids. And so you know, going to my siblings, I have three uh, three sisters. Unfortunately, one just passed away two weeks ago. Man, uh, my I oldest sister that. Patsy. My condolences. I appreciate that. Uh, fought valiantly, uh, had cancer, then had a stroke fought valiantly, but then died in extreme peace, uh, knowing and reconciled that she was gonna go be with my father. So just to show you how much faith she had uh, when she passed away, which makes it a little bit easier for those of us who are left here. Uh, my other two sisters are both educators. One's a counselor in San Antonio, one's a teacher in San Antonio. And then Mo, who you rested, my brother Mo, uh, is definitely renowned yeah. uh, for multiple things. Uh, ha has a, a, a great history and story of his own, having served in two different White Houses 
first as uh, uh, Vice President Al Gore's Chief Finance Officer, and then most recently as Joe Biden's Under Secretary of Staff, basically second, second in command for his administration, and just has some incredible stories to tell us. And, and, and he has a, a much better knack of, of, uh, of just being able to share his journey so that people become motivated to want to engage, right? Because we talked about your community service, right? The reality is unless you've got that deep desire to engage and make a difference, you're going to sit on the sideline. You might snipe and stuff. I don't think you've earned the right to snipe <laughs> unless you, you get involved to some level, right? Yeah. Your uncle. Uh, I worked for your uncle, um, Philemon Vela Sr., right? Yes. So tell us about uh, Philemon Vela. Yeah one of the first Hispanic judges yeah. appointed by which president? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. And uh, um, his son is now one of our congressmen yes. from South Texas. And what impresses me most about that is you guys are so welcoming and so approachable. I, you know, Phil uh, is a member of Orange Theory. Yeah. And he comes in right. and he's just hanging out in the lobby, right? He's a congressman, father's a federal judge, one of my most favorite yeah. people of all time and he's just hanging out talking to people super approachable super humble just like you you know there there's no air about you. you you have this family legacy this name and it's just amazing how um, approachable you are and I don't know what your parents instilled in you but you know there, there are so many people that walk around with this chip on their shoulder uh, these days but but to come from the family you guys come from and to be in the positions you are and to be so loving of people is a true testament to, to your family, man. Well, well I so. appreciate that, but I could throw that right back at you, Eddie. Well. Honestly, right? Because it's just a legacy of service and stuff. And so, look, I, I got a chance to say a few words in my Tufilamon's memorial service. Something that I really appreciate Phil at Deblanca asking me to do, allowing me to do. And the reality is, the statement I made is I was raised amongst giants. And those giants included my parents, included my Tufilamon and my Deblanca, who were my godparents. I didn't know. Who were my friends, yeah. good friends. Yeah. Uh, and Tofilo also led by example. But if you recall, he would go out to the elementary schools, the middle schools, the high school, yeah. and talk about the Constitution is still alive, right? And, and if you, you can go Google, go Google him one of these days. And yeah. he's, there's some presentations. I uh, went with him. I went with him to a, like a scared straight. Yeah. Uh, deal in San Antonio where they spoke very frankly about what it's like to yeah. go to prison and we actually took some prisoners who young guys who had just gotten sentenced to 10 15 years I'm talking yeah. about 20 year olds yeah. who are gonna spend their entire 20s in prison for their first federal offense yeah. and it broke his heart he yeah. he I remember one day we went through sentencing some kid who was unfortunately carried some drugs across the border first time really didn't have a uh, a choice in the matter, given where his circumstances were in Mexico, I guess. Uh, but we, federal guidelines are what they are. He got sentenced to 12 years, and he was just so upset that this poor young man's life would never be the same. Uh, but incredible what he would do to, yeah. like, get out there and try to be an influence on young people. That's right. I mean, yeah. education was a key yeah. in his mind. Look, he had the reputation of being a very tough judge, but very fair. Very fair. And, and you know what? That's a perfect jurist, right? That's a perfect characteristic for a jurist. Deblanca, first uh, female Hispanic mayor of the city of Brownsville, right? That's right. Uh, you know, tough lady. A tough lady. 
but determined to make a difference. Yeah. And, and you can see in, in the way that Phil handles his role, my cousin Phil, yeah. same mentality. Uh, absolutely dedicated and committed, not to a party, not, not to anything other than principles and values of doing the right thing for the right reason right. and letting the chips all the fall time. all the time. Not just when it's convenient. Not yeah. when it's politically expedient, right? <laughs> and in it. today's world, yeah. there's nothing more frustrating for me on a daily basis to, in D.C. in particular right now, to just observe the political expediency. The end does not hardly ever justify the means. Right. Right. And when you right. become politically expedient, that's what you, you're relying on that. And, and I don't think you can. And now it's not even, uh, unfortunately, and I don't want to go too far off into a political <laughs> discussion. That would be a whole different podcast, right? But now it's it's almost as if there really is no end and there really is no means. It's all showmanship, that right? Is. Especially, yeah. unfortunately, in, at, at the national level yeah. is I don't see them trying to accomplish much. Yeah. I just see them trying to put on a show. It's not like that in Texas, which is why I think my wife still lets me go to Austin. Uh, but it's just a tough environment. But I want to talk a little bit. One thing before yes. you go. Yes, please. Because this is important. Yeah. And I think you'll remember this. When, when you approached me about running for the very first time. I, I, You're one of the this, first people I came to see. This is a quote. Yeah. Eddie, if you always keep your idealism, you got me for life. Yeah. Right? And you have. So you got me for life. <laughs> I married well. Well, so did I. <laughs> she, by the way. she keeps me accountable. So did I. So speaking about that, uh, you're married. Yes. You have four, four children. Four children. Um, tell us a little bit about your wife and kiddos, and then I want to speak because this is one of the reasons I love you so much about uh, Manny Mac yeah. and what you did with that experience to advocate not only for Manny but for all kids like Manny. Yeah, Mack. absolutely. I was I was at a venue the other day, and they asked, "What what's the what are the foremost, or what's your most incredible experience in life? By far, my four children being born. Ah, and awesome. then, wh what was the uh, the most stressful time in your life? My, when my four children were born, right? Yeah. It's one of those, you've been there, it's the height of emotions, right? Amy and I will be married, we'll have been married 30 years come November. Uh, we met at UT there in Austin. She's a pharmacist by training. Uh, and I honestly uh, love her tremendously. A phenomenal mother, a good wife, great partner, uh, all of the goods that you can imagine comes with that package. Uh, now I tell people all the time, she'll tell you the same thing, and I tell my kids, and you know this, you gotta want it, right? Marriage is—it's not an easy game, right? And so <laughs> it's not been just a piece of cake through a cakewalk for 30 plus years since we've right. met each other. You gotta want it, and she and I want it really badly, and, and then. You, We'll talk about Manny Mac specifically in a second, but unfortunately the divorce rates for parents who have children with special needs spikes. And so if there's one thing I'm ultra proud of with my relationship with Amy is that, you know, despite the challenges that have arisen, uh, either in regards to raising a, a child with special needs or otherwise, we're in it for the long haul. Yeah, and so, and we're dedicated in that regard. Uh, my four children, my oldest daughter's a marketing director for HCISD here in Harlingen. Phenomenal job. She She's does a great, great job yeah. for him. Uh, my son-in-law is a, a reporter for the uh, NBC affiliate down here, awesome. Derek Garcia, doing a great job. Manny Mac, we'll come yeah. back to Manny Mac, just got yeah. married in December, right before awesome. Christmas, to his childhood sweetheart, Ashley, who Ashley has challenges as well, right? Yeah. But we'll come back in just a second. Lamas will be graduating with a joint degree in economics and public health in December awesome. from UT. And Esteban is finishing his sophomore year at the Red McComb School of Business. 
he's getting excited to go study abroad in Barcelona this uh, this fall. Yeah. Uh, I, I could not love my children any more than I do. They I, are phenomenal. Your young youngest, adults. Esteban, right? Esteban, yeah. So I can't remember where it was. There's a group of kids, and then one of them stood out. He was real sharp, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. I didn't re- realize he was your son. He was real sharp, and I was like, man, this is... This is an articulate kid. This kid's going places. He came up. He's like, I'm Manny Velas. And I was like, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a, yeah, he's so, a good-looking dude. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I, tell, I say about all of them, though? Yeah. All, all four, they're all beautiful. Their hearts are twice as beautiful as their exterior beings. You've and, succeeded as a parent then, my it, friend. I'm, I promise you, they are phenomenal human beings. I couldn't be more proud. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't mean they won't have challenges in life. We all do. Right? That's what makes it so sweet, I think. So, I mean, I mean, it you, is. if you lived a life of just pure bliss, yeah. um, you actually wouldn't be blissful because you wouldn't know that's right. that it, it was bliss. That's you true. have to have those that's ebbs right. and flows. To appreciate the peaks. You want to talk about Manny Mac? A Manny bit? Mac, tell right. me. He, he, tell me about his special need and your experience on the Texas Autism Council. Yeah, let, let me tell you. Uh, go back to when Manny Mac was young, probably 18 months old. Uh, if you've heard my story, you've heard this, but I give Amy all the credit in the world. She recognized developmentally that there was an issue, uh, and she was terca. She was stubborn about finding out, even though we'd go to the local pediatrician, and she would express her concerns, and the pediatrician would bend down to Manny Mac and say, give me a high five, Manny Mac. Manny Mac would give him a high five and see, see, he's fine. The children just develop differently. Well, to her credit, she she did not let it go. And I'll I'll never forget, one day she came to me. She, She had gone behind my back to a child psychologist. Uh, to one more shot at trying to get a, to figure out what was wrong. And she came and said, listen, this, this person said that Manny Mac does have developmental delays. She, she does not have the, the skills or the tools to properly diagnose him, but she suggested we go elsewhere to do so, probably Houston. And my initial reaction, and I, this, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I think it's part of just sort of expressing my journey, my, my experience, is I got angry because she had gone behind my back and I had literally told her, is it that you want something wrong with Manny Mac? Is that why you won't let this go, yeah. right? So it probably took about a week or two weeks for me to really catch my breath and, and take a step back. And when I did that, I said, you know what? You're right. If there's something wrong, we need to figure out. So we went to the Texas Bluebirds uh, Center in Houston, Texas Children's in Houston for a, a extensive uh, diagnostic uh, session it was two and a half days, and I came in on, on the third day when the doctor was coming in to give us his diagnosis. And I'll never forget, I mean, this is like, I, I can picture it in my mind, the doctor walks in and he tells us, I need to tell y'all that your son had autism, autism PDD, NOS. And I'm like, autism, it's, you, that word wasn't widely circulated back in, you know, 21 years ago, right? It's different now. And so I, I said, PDD, what's that? Perva- pervasive Development Disorder. And what's NOS, Doc? Not otherwise specified. And I said, I'm confused. Can you can you enlighten me a little bit? And he goes, the autistic spectrum. And he, he basically is like you're measuring a fish. Big, you know, big old arms. Big old spectrum, right? And he said, your son is somewhere in that spectrum, but not otherwise specified. Means we don't know where he's going to fit in. We're going to need it. He's going to have to get a little older. We're going to see right. where he's at. So right. just quick, like, Amy remembers me asking him, Doc, do you think he'll even be able to read or write his name, mm-hmm. right? So fast forward, and I'll come back to the Autism Council in a second, because it was a little bit of a frustrating experience. 
But fast forward to his high school graduation, he was graduating in the top 10 of his percent of his class, National Honor Society. He's about, they're about to call his name to give his diploma name. He says, do you remember asking the doctor whether or not he could read or write? I swear to God, I busted out of the tears and I'm, yeah. I might start crying right now. I mean, it's still that raw and emotional for me that we had gone from this hole to hear Manny Mac was graduating with honors. And now you find him today. Married. Married, living in Austin with his young bride, trying like heck to become an actor or a voiceover actor. Either one. He's willing to yeah. do either one. Awesome. And so we're helping him in that regard. And Ashley's working a little job at Old Navy. Yeah. And they are striving hard and, and couldn't be more de dedicated and committed to each other and to making this work. So back, back to the Autism Council real quick, because I, I am proud that I got to serve on the council, and your, your dad was one of my, my supporting sponsors in that regard. Uh, I, I sat on the council for, I, I want to say it's at least four years, and our charge was basically to recommend to the legislature uh, what children uh, on the spectrum needed by way of support from a state perspective, which altruistically sounds great, and it's naive, right? Because what ended up happening is we'd convene as a group uh, and we would hear testimony. And, and personally, I had facts, right? It wasn't right. an adult for me. I was living right. it. So I knew what support was not being given by our state. But there were people on the council who were beholden to their politicians in their particular areas, including our, our state government, who would say, well, we can't make that look bad, right? So my, my debate was always, no, 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 our charge is to be is, honest is to be honest and tell them right. this is what we need. It's their decision whether or not they're going to fund the support. Or it's not even funding all the time. As you all know in the legislature, there are many other things that you can do right. as a legislative body to support groups. Uh, and so when I left, I didn't necessarily leave with a great taste in my mouth. But I'll tell you, the council still exists, and they're still altruistic in nature. Right? Call it naive or altruistic, it doesn't matter to me. They're still hell-bent on making sure what they present are recommendations that would have a real impact on the life of people, lives of people on the spectrum. If we have many, many people just making small incremental changes, collectively, you can make a big dent in the universe. That's right? exactly right. And you know what I, what I, how, well, my takeaway from that, Manny, is that I don't know how I would respond, to be honest with you, if one of my children had a challenge like that. If I would just circle the wagons and just take care of my own, or if I would go above and beyond to, to turn into advocacy so that all kids like mine could have the best possible shot of fulfilling their potential. Because that's what we want. We yeah. just want all kids to meet their potential, whatever it is for that specific child. Um, my daughter has, you know, she's not athletic. She has athletic challenges and and you know she was trying out for cheerleader that's the big thing this week yeah. right she's trying out for cheerleader and my wife's like oh she's just you know not the cheerleading type and i was like sweetheart just let her do it yeah. you know let her live let her experience but you know i go back manny uh, whenever i see a parent who has a child born with a heart defect then go on to become a community leader in in you know heart disease or uh, childhood cancer or obesity or uh, elderly care or whatever it may be I, I'm just really really impressed with um, that commitment because because other some people would just circle the wagon yeah. shut the, shut the outside world out yeah but I know how take you would care. react I mean I, I, I know how you would react and I'll tell you how I know because you and your dad have been two of our biggest advocates in Austin with all of these issues we've dealt with and you don't have a child who has special needs, and yet right. you're one of my biggest advocates, right? So I know exactly how you would react. <laughs> so I, I will say, uh, 
you know, I have, I do have a love for children. Yeah. You know, I, I really do. Uh, even when they're difficult. <laughs> that, that's yeah. part of it, man. That, you know. So, you know, for the sake of time, we were, I was going to talk to you a little bit about your legal career, but uh, we'll just say you had a great young legal career. You were also directly involved in politics as a Democratic yeah. chair, and I'll, let's just reference that. But I, I want to talk about your shift to healthcare. You yep. initially started as general counsel. Um, there were opportunities for you to move up the, the leadership chain, which you have. But what intrigued you about the healthcare industry? And I think this ties into our sponsor, Orange Theory Fitness. Is yeah. I, I try to give people some insight as to the state of healthcare sure. in the Valley. Yeah. And I'm optimistic by nature. And I could tell you, you know, we're leading statistics and categories we don't want to lead That's in. Right. Obesity, diabetes, so on and so forth. That's but right. I can also tell you, this community is changing. Yeah. We have farmer's markets, hike and bike trails, a gym on every corner with every possible niche you can think of. Uh, we have a great... Um, regional university and, and medical school that is dedicated and hell-bent on changing the quality of care in South Texas. So um, I'm, I'm excited about this industry yeah. and the future it holds, not only from a healthcare standpoint, from an economic development standpoint as well. So tell me what intrigued you about the healthcare industry yeah. uh, and what you learned about the industry after your invo direct involvement in it that you didn't expect to learn or that most people who don't have that exposure to healthcare would be intrigued by. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the, the, the question. I, you know, I've practiced law for 15 years, and, and I, one of the, the things that I enjoyed about practicing law was being able to help people. And I learned that definitely in the environment in which I was raised with my dad and his two brothers that were attorneys and then ultimately a federal judge for Kefilo. I, I literally wanted to change the direction of my practice when Valley Baptist created the position of general counsel. And I'll never forget the then CEO reached out to me and he said, I'd, I'd really like you to apply for this position. And I said, I'd love to. I'm right on that cusp right now wanting to change the direction of my practice, but I don't have any healthcare experience or, or corporate experience. He goes, doesn't matter. Yeah. We have outside counsel that can help you learn those things. And we love the fact that you've been involved in the community. And that was sort of the, the trigger point for him. And so I, I took the plunge. Uh, when I was self-employed for 15 years. And one of the entice enticements was that I, I would have access to health insurance. Amy had worked, um, you know, having four children working all throughout that period of time with very few lulls. Uh, and I thought this was an opportunity to, to allow her to take some time, well, well-deserved time uh, for herself and to raise our children at home, which by the way, is a lot of work. Oh my God. Right? And so uh, th that piqued my interest. But I'll, I'll tell you, the other thing that piqued my interest was going from opening six or seven hundred files a year to literally being, a, being in a position belonging to an organization that helped over a hundred thousand people plus every year. Yeah. And, and I think if there was one thing that really piqued my interest, it was that higher level of engagement with a corporate entity that at that time was not for profit, was a complete community partner. Uh, and so just sort of fast forward it to maybe what I didn't expect. I, I don't think I expected the interplay uh, between what the state and federal government does from a funding perspective in regards to the, the ability to operate a healthcare system in our environment. Yeah. You referenced diabetes. Hit that home, because exactly. that's a huge, huge point. right? Right. And so... What the state and federal government does or does not do yep. greatly impacts your ability to provide healthcare. That's right. And the way, that, the way it works, just so folks know, is demographically, we, you, you mentioned diabetes, you mentioned obesity. We have the highest rates of medically uninsured. We have the highest rates of 
uh, medical illiteracy. You know, you just it just accumulates, right. which means that so you, this medical, is tough. Medical literacy or illiteracy is you diagnose someone, you prescribe a medication, right. you tell them what they need to do. How many and times just, to take it? And, that's right. And, and you can't blame short. them at times, right? Yeah. So we've got those challenges, but what the government has, has had a tendency to do, most recently in particular, is in, in an effort to save money, they reduce the reimbursement rates that they will pay providers, hospitals and physicians alike. Right. And it's not necessarily a reduction of what we received last year, per se, but the, the, the cost to do business continues to go up. So yeah. the rate of spend by the government does not match that, that the, the cost. Of we, we want growth. specialists. We want people who can take care oncologists, uh, surgeons, brain surgeons, heart surgeons, pediatric right. surgeons, all these things. Well, these people are expensive. That's right. <laughs> it is. Right? And yeah. if we want them to come to an underserved area like ours, That's right. we have to at least be in the realm to compete with the, the higher, more prestigious right. markets. Uh, and, and I have this conversation in the context of higher education as well. Yeah. The rising cost of higher education. Well, I'm like, well, I hear you. And I can sympathize with that because I'm going to have a kid in, in the not so distant future be in college. But, you know, if I want them to go to UTRGV and I want UTRGV to progress to a tier one university, they have to attract tier one professor talent. That's, that's true. And you have to attract tier that's one. That's in the world. That's right. That's, and I was going to throw in there, too. One, one of the things that we're doing here at Valley Baptist from a research perspective is phenomenal. Yeah. And it, it concentrates on our neurosciences program. Uh, we have a Dr. Amir Hassan and, and his co-partner, uh, co, uh, co Dr. Wan Wuzeng Tekli, who are endovascular neurologists who are leading the charge in regards to uh, stroke research. Not only in the Valley, they, they've been published worldwide yeah. now. They're renowned That's worldwide. It. And it's, it's incredible to have them here because the reality is with all of the, the things that we, we've talked about, diabetes, obesity, if we can, if we can come up with a solution here, you can live if you take it anywhere in the world. Yeah, with the, with the greatest challenges, right? That's exactly That's right. right. Let me plant one seed with you yeah. for the session coming up. Yeah. As it relates to higher education. Yeah. It, perhaps it's time now to go revisit why why you need 120 hours for an undergraduate degree, right? I don't know who came up with that the required curriculum. It's um, a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours, <laughs> and when the cost becomes such that it, it's prohibitive yeah. for many people, do. Think about the classes you took in those 120 hours. How many apply, right? And so maybe it's time to have that kind of conversation. I, I hear you. You know, starting in high school, I think, in countries like Mexico, you're already in a discipline, right? That's right. Yeah, although learning about British literature is great for the love of learning, uh, I don't know if I need to pay $3,000 <laughs> for it. Right uh, so I hear you. Food for thought. So I, I, what I really want to get into and hit home in the last, you know, 20 minutes or so that we have is work ethic, leadership, style, uh, habits, all things that you believe are important for a successful life. But right before we get there, because we uh, do have a, a focus on health and wellness, tell us, if you could, in, in, in short order, what the status of healthcare right now is in, in, the, valley? in, in the valley. Yeah, I, I think... I think we have a ways to go in the Rio Grande Valley, and, and I would pinpoint the lack of access to primary care as a prime issue for residents of the Rio Grande Valley. If you're fortunate to have a third-party insurance company, amen, you have access. If you qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, amen, you have access. 
the reality is there's a lot of people who do not have access through either a governmental program or a third party program. And what happens, Eddie, is when you don't have access, typically you don't go to a doctor, obviously, until you're very ill. Mm. And when you're very ill, guess where you go? You go to the emergency department, right? And when you go seek treatment at an emergency department, it typically costs tenfold what it would have cost had you seen a primary care doctor and it, so that your acuity level wouldn't be where it is without, right. because they hadn't seen a, a primary care doctor. And, and Manny, I, I'm at, at fault for that sometimes, right? Like I have little aches and pains or, or I have a spell of something that had I gone yesterday, it, I could have seen someone at my, my primary care physician office, but I waited. Now all of a sudden I'm vomiting, I have 104 fever and my wife's like, let's, be, let's yeah. take precaution and go to the emergency room. Yeah. And even with, you know, my insurance, I still have a high copay. And I'm like, dang it, why didn't I just go to my primary care physician? And men are worse, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Men are worse. Absolutely. Uh, But I'll tell you that, so we have some challenges, but I will will tell you that we are offering a high quality level of service from a healthcare perspective across the valley. I will I'll say this that I think we provide the best care yeah, <laughs> in yeah, Baptist, yeah. but I'm sure my counterparts around the valley would debate with me in that regard but I would hope they have that same sense of pride that I have in what we're doing here absolutely so Manny you have an incredible work ethic you have to have an incredible work ethic uh, to accomplish what you have and lead an organization you said it had 2800 employees here at Valley Baptist or is that in the system it's in the, our system, our system. Yeah. Okay. but it's direct employees and the contracted right as well so is this something that you've always had that you can remember even as a kid playing little league that you're like look I got to work hard I got to be disciplined or is it something you developed over time let, let, me, let me put it this way I, I won't weigh in on my success I, I don't I'm not just I won't go there I just I'm not comfortable doing that I'd rather others offer their opinion in that regard but I will weigh in on work ethic yeah. right yeah. I, I will tell you that there is no substitute for working your rear end off, fixing a goal, and then going after Put it. Put a line in the sand. And it no helps. Retreat, right? No retreat. No retreat. Yeah. And it helps, though, if you have a true belief that where you're going to is going to benefit others, in my mm. mind, right? It's a heck of a motivator. Uh, I'll, I'll also tell you this. I love that. I, let, let, let's, let's hit that home again. Yeah. Because when you're working for a cause more than yourself, yeah, you're, no doubt. You're much more likely to achieve and, uh, and to, to sustain all the things that need to yeah. get done to get to the goal, as opposed for the me. I agree, right? right? And the reality is this, there are, couple, there are multiple ways to try to lead people, right? There are people who will lead by threats, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't do this, you're fired. If we you don't do this, you're, you, won't, you, know, you're, you go find something else somewhere else. You know what? That probably motivates people for a very brief period of time. I, I don't think that's the way to go. I think you you got to try to lead by example, right? And if your example is hard work, then go go get on the floors. Let people know that you care much as much about them as you do you. That you're going to work as many hours as it takes to do what you need to do so that they have the tools that they need. And people observe all of this stuff. You know, I'd rather my goal is to get to that point where I'm I'm leading by hopefully inspiring people to want to follow me, right? Not, not threats. I, I hate that. Yeah. And I'm not a what have you done lately for me guy. Yeah. I, I am not. I, I am a thank you, 
these are our challenges, right? right? Let's go get these now. Right. Right. And, 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 so, and, and you can mess both of And too things. often, bosses, leaders, parents skip that. They just go straight to, Time I'm out. upset about this, <laughs> right? As opposed to, yeah. You're, you're a great employee. I'm grateful for your commitment to this point. Right. And that aside, we had this one issue we need to deal with. But don't forget, I still love you. But here's the issue exactly we need right. to deal with. Let's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really try to inspire um, buy-in yeah. from the people I but, work with. And that's how right. you sustain something. Right? Part of something great, that's right? That's exactly right. It's got to be sustainable. Otherwise, it's short-term. A lot has been written about the importance of goal setting, right? Uh, do you do you write down your goals? Do you develop a game plan to achieve them? And yes. you know, do you regularly set goals? Yeah. Uh, not only for your organization, but for you personally. Uh, I, I will on the personal level. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, my keep, goal. Keep Amy happy. It's <laughs> peace at home. <laughs> but it's really that simple, right? Yeah. My, my personal goal is to be as good a husband, as good a father as I can every day I wake up. Right, and, and that's it's that basic for right. me, right? Because that encompasses everything that's really important to me, on the personal side. On the professional side, my company uses a balanced scorecard very effectively, right? Now, the, the key with the balanced scorecard is you got to be able to cascade it down to the different levels of your organization, right? Because you've got these global goals based on metrics that we establish at the beginning of the year, but it is global. You can siphon, but you can each respective facility can have their goals. But the challenge is to go two or three, four layers down. Really, how's it going to impact somebody in our uh, wound care center, right, or uh, our oncology floor, or whatever, right? And that's the challenge. But yeah, absolutely. It, the deal is you've got to set your goals. In my opinion, I think our balance scorecard is a great example of how we do it at Tenant. Uh, but then you've got to make sure your folks understand what those goals are, right. so that you can align in regards to reaching those goals. Clearly but defined goals. Clearly defined because. Yeah. Look, I can go to sleep at night. If somebody's not part, they're, they're not in the right place in this organization, I'm gonna give them every opportunity in the world as long as I know they're trying to progress, right? Right. But sometimes it's unavoidable. There are some times where people just won't be aligned with what you're trying to do. And, and that's the time you have that difficult discussion about, you know what, this might not be a perfect fit for you, right? Right. But to get there, Eddie, you better have outlined your goals and expectations clearly. Because otherwise you're not being fair. Because if this is obscure up here, the, the goals and in the, in the, in the objectives you're trying to reach, uh, if that's not clear, then you have no business letting anybody go for them not meeting those right. those goals and objectives. There, there's this great book called It's Your Shift. It's written by a former admiral who had the greatest turnaround uh, performance-wise of a, of a naval ship. Yeah. Um, and it, a, a lot of the principles we're, we're discussing are in his book, but... It's amazing how he, he took a very different approach to leadership in the Navy and had tremendous success with it. Um, and you know, leadership doesn't necessarily mean you lead people. Right. Uh, sometimes just leading yourself can be tremendous <laughs> it, leadership it, or leadership great. at home. Completely agree. You know, with your with your tribe. Uh, how would you define leadership? You know, we we talk about goal setting and having clear defined goals. Um, and, and I'll get to habits. Yeah. That. That's, that's one of the things that I've learned are, 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 the, are the greatest way to achieve goals uh, to show leadership is to develop world-class habits. But what are, um, you know, how would you define leadership and yeah. your approach to leadership? I mean, I think if there are various characteristics that come to mind. Humility might be at the top of the list. If you, if you are not humble and somehow you think you know more than anybody else, 
you're missing. You're lost. Yeah. <laughs> you are yes, lost. Uh, because the reality is, collectively, we're so much smarter and so much better. Right. We challenge each other in a respectful way. So I, I would say humility. I would I would say respect. Uh, I would say courtesy. Uh, I would say integrity and credibility. My gosh, all of those, it, you know, alone, all of those are, are just strong, right? But if you combine all of those together, which is what I try to do, I'm not successful at it, but it's a goal I have every day, and you can combine those things together, then people are more inclined to want to follow you to wherever you're going to go, right? As long as they believe in you and what you're doing. I, one of the most successful, wealthiest people I ever met is a home builder here in Texas, and one of the most humble men I've ever met. You know, for all that he had achieved and all the wealth he had uh, accumulated, he showed me tremendous deference as an elected official and was many years my elder, um, but was just incredible in his approach and and spent an hour with me when he had a billion dollar organization to run, spent an hour with me wanting to know about my kids, wanting to know about my wife. And that, that had a big impression on me. And sometimes, you know, when, when you're highly successful or, or even just busy, you know, successful is a fleeting it is. You know, term, Agreed. but you're just busy and you tend to overlook the interactions you have and rush through them. You don't realize what type of impact you're having on that other person. Uh, and so, you know, tr- try to slow down. Yeah. Just try to have good, you know, it's hard, but it's good. So. I'm a huge fan of success. I'm a huge fan of peak performance. You know, by no means have I um, figured it all out. I, I'm still a work in progress. I had a bad morning yesterday. My <laughs> wife had to call me out on it. I love you, Jamie. When you listen to this, I'm sorry again. Uh, but but I have more good days than bad. And you know, I, I make this analogy to basketball. Sometimes you're just going to have a bad quarter where you just don't shoot all that well. But you get back on it, right? But uh, one of the things that I have learned in the six years that I've really tried to learn about success and motivation is the best people in the world at what they do, regardless education, business, parenting, sports, is they've developed really good habits. They've set their goal. They've drawn a line in the sand. I'm not going to come back. I'm going to achieve it, come hell or high water. They've developed a game plan, and then they develop incredible habits. And habit is something you do consistently right. over a long period of time, right? Yeah. And we're developing habits whether we like it or not. It's it's some good, some bad. Some good, some bad. So right. tell me about you know some of the habits yeah. that you yourself have or instill in your executives here. Yeah. Right about. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before, but I think the habit of working hard really, really uh, parlays with people around you. Uh, you got to believe in what you're doing. I really do. I'll go back to that, too, because if you're motivated by the right things for the right reasons, that's a heck of a catalyst for you. Uh, s- simply put, coming to work, be timely. If not timely, right. early. I love that. Yeah. Right? If, if you're on time, you're late. That's right. If you're, you're early, you're, you're on time. Because it shows your dedication and your commitment to what you're trying to do. Look, I go around, and if I see trash on the floor, I pick it up. I do par- I'm proud to tell you I, I do park in, in my employee's parking lot. My security guard was laughing the other day. He said somebody came and they were angry because they couldn't find a parking space up front. They said, I want to park where Mr. Vella parks. He said, okay, let's go. It's way back here in the corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's pretty cool. But yeah. it's what people are watching. It's a habit, yeah. right? You get into yeah. this habit. You get into the habit of w- walking through uh, you walking through the hallways and, and greeting people. One of the asked when I started this, you know, good morning. Can I help you with anything? Little habits like that accumulate over a period of time 
where all of a sudden you're the real package, right? You're the you're the guy that doesn't just talk it, but is going to walk it every day, right? You're going to treat people with respect and dignity. You're going to act with integrity and credibility every chance you get. Uh, you are going to, if it takes sweeping the floor, you're going to sweep the floor because this is my house. Right. This is my house. This is right. my backyard. Whatever it takes. Whatever it Whatever takes. Whatever it takes. Right? But all of that, yeah. it does, yeah. it does depend on habit, yeah. right? Because if you only do it once every three months, that's not a habit. That's, that's right. a coincidence. That's right. <laughs> right. And, and you know, the habit I'm trying most to instill in my life is reading 10 pages of a good book every day. That right. keeps my mind. To me, it's all about mindset, whether it's your relationships, whether it's working out, whether it's work, it's all about mindset. That's true. And so I, I'm trying to not only develop a great mindset, but motivate our listeners to do the same. A uh, few more questions, okay. Manny. You know, what is your motivation now? Uh, you, you've strung along several years of growth and success per professionally, personally with the hospital. Um, what is your motivation now? Uh, and, and, you know, life's, life's you, you has ups, has downs, yeah. has all that. You have to just keep swinging. But there's got to be that yeah. fire. What is that fire it, it, for Matt? It's twofold. Right it really is. And honestly, my biggest motivation right now is to, to – set Manny Mac and Ashley up when Amy and I are gone, financially. And uh, I'm willing to work longer than I might otherwise have had to work, yeah. but I won't rest and I won't stop working until I know that's done. The The twofold part of it, the other fold is, I still love helping people in, the, in, in regards to doing what we do. I, it's a, I get a great kick out of it. You know, I get a great sense of pride. Uh, but if you're looking for the, the main catalyst, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's Manny Mac and Ashley. Yeah. And I don't say that so people say, oh, how, how nice, you know. No, no, no. That's my obligation. It is what parent, it is. Right? That's right. And I, I, quite honestly, I don't want to leave that onus on my other three yeah. children if I can avoid doing so, even though they would pick up the slack in a heartbeat. But that's not their right. That's my responsibility. That's and right. responsibility. And mine too, man. You know, I have a daughter and I have a friend close to the family and she's in this awful situation, this marriage, and, and but she can't get out because she just can't financially and her parents can't help her really and so it, it breaks my heart and I say I never want to be in that situation yeah, no, you I, know, I never want my daughter to feel like trapped yeah. or even my son for that matter right. I mean I, I don't try to you know categorize or anything but anyway so a couple more questions if you could travel back in time yeah. and give you the 25 year old Manny Bella advice what would it be um that's a really good, deep question. <laughs> I think, uh, honestly, if I'm going to be honest, frank, and introspective yeah. here, I, I'd probably be more patient and less hypocritical. All right. That would be the advice I'd give myself. Yeah. You know, you be true to your word. That's all yeah. we got, right? Yeah. And it's so easy in today's world to say one thing and but really mean or do something else. And so, uh, and, and and, and the last part would be, don't be defensive about stuff. Yeah. Accept it for what it's worth. Yeah. Usually it's constructive. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, I like this next question. Uh, you know, because we get asked it a lot, either by parents or by kids, but what are the most important skills you would advise someone to develop early in their career or while still getting their education? Yeah. Uh, I, I to think, be successful, yeah. period. You know? I think the ability to communicate uh, encompasses all uh, one and one of the ways you can get there not the sole way but I think if you read vociferously 
it sure helps. Amen. I, I do. I think it helps a ton. And you might not agree with everything you read. It doesn't matter. You, you are getting a chance and cho- a choice of which opinion or what, what position you want to take. That's right. But base it on, on being as educated in, in that subject matter as possible. But I think the ability to communicate, and, and I've learned a ton about communicating over the, the years. When I started practicing law, I, I was, I, my voice would quiver, <laughs> right? Uh, to the point where. My first political speech horrible. was God awful. Oh, <laughs> gosh, you know, right? But Not the, that they're much better but, now. But, but we do better now, yeah. right? We've learned how to communicate. So I, I would say concentrate on that. Re- it really, I, no matter what your field is, because you got to communicate with somebody. It doesn't Unless matter. you're just doing data entry. You're either telling, yeah. asking somebody to do something or you're explaining why you did something. That's right. So it goes both ways. And last question. What are some of your favorite books or books you would you often recommend? Uh, the Team of Rivals is by far my favorite book. I love American presidential history, and I love Abraham Lincoln. Wow. Uh, George Washington's Farewell Address is yeah. right there under. Cool. It, it's right next to it. I love that kind of stuff. Uh, but I grew up reading Zane Gray, Louis L'Amour, the old yeah. westerns, yeah. Uh, which I sort of think it, it sort of established for me right versus wrong, right yeah, versus yeah. evil, those kind of yeah. things. Uh, but I loved reading growing up. But I would, I, I love history books right now, American history books. Right, right now, the book that I love and I'm reading and I'm going to actually, for the first time, immediately reread because it's really inspired me. It's called Relentless. Okay. I want to say the author's Tim Grover. It's the tr- it's Michael Jordan's trainer. Okay. His physical trainer. Yeah. Um, that really transformed his body and he became Michael Jordan yeah. in large yeah. part because of obviously who he was, sure. but his dedication and this guy's help. He went on to train Kobe Very Bryant cool. and Dwayne Wade, but yeah. he, he talks, it's all about mindset. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it comes down to mindset. Uh, so Manny, thank you so much uh, for your time, man. I, I hope you've had as much you. fun as I have. I have, I've enjoyed yeah. it. This Anytime is I get to spend with you, buddy. This is so, cathartic. Yeah, man. absolutely. We can do it once a week. How, like, you want to be on, my co-host. Come on yeah, back. let's go. Uh, but, but again, thank you for your time. For all our listeners, Thank you for tuning in. This is something we do strictly as a labor of love. Um, we, we hope you get as much out of it as we hope uh, that we as we put in, and we hope that you do. So, with that, never stop living an all-out life. Thank you.